We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. going on Chiefs Kingdom it wasn't pretty but they got it done the Chiefs <laughs> went 20 to 17 on Sunday Night Football over the Tennessee Titans I'm BJ Kissel joined by Ken Swanson here at the Kingdom Bar and Grill in Overland Park Kansas live coming to you we've got Tucker Franklin producing this thing and Maddie Lane and Craig Stout will be joining us in just a little bit we appreciate whether you're watching on YouTube whether you're watching on Twitter whether you're watching on the one on one the Fox Facebook page we appreciate you for spending uh, part of your late Sunday night with us after that overtime victory, Kent. Not exactly what we had in mind coming into this one, but we talked about it during the second screen watch party, survive in advance. Yeah, survive in advance, take the win. Uh, you know what? Hey, one of the top AFC you know, contenders didn't take care of business today. The Chiefs did. It was a tough game. It was a weird day where a lot of teams got upset. The Chiefs survived. I was scared of this game. I, if you listen to the shows this week, I was kind of nervous about this game. I was a little bit scared. The, they, the Titans did exactly what what scared me, and they always come up with a good game plan for Mahomes. They always come with some unique ideas, some unique wrinkles. Uh, they're a physical football team that make you make mistakes, and, and yeah. boy, they did. They did a great job, and, and it was almost enough. Yeah, let's go over some of the headlines of this game. First one jumping out of the box. We're just looking. Patrick Mahomes throws sixty eight passes. Yeah. in this game, he goes forty three of sixty eight for four hundred and forty six yards. One touchdown, one interception. Early in this game, it felt like penalties was what was holding back the Chiefs' offense, not necessarily their inability to make plays. And then as the game went on, it became more about Patrick Holmes scrambling around, not necessarily making the plays or doing the things that we're accustomed to seeing And when the Chiefs' offense is rolling. Obviously, running game non-existent tonight. Offensive line struggled. The Tennessee beat them up front. But mm. offensively, what was your top takeaway from tonight? 
I mean, they just they, they kept fighting. I mean, like like I think they kind of got into a, a decent enough rhythm at one point in the game, you know, towards the end where they figure out, hey, we're not going to be able to run the football particularly well. We're not going to be able to run the ball effectively. So we're going to have to kind of dink and dunk down the field. And that's really where the Chiefs started to find a little bit of success. They started yeah. throwing a little bit short. They just started trying to take some of these easy completions that they were given. A little spot route or a little adjust, side adjustments by you know, Juju. Yeah. Um, just uh, they found a way, maybe not the most traditional Chiefs offense, but they found a way to kind of pull it out. Yeah. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button while we're going through this. I know we talk about, you know, top headlines, stay on the offensive side. Biggest play in this game, late in regulation, the third and 17 scramble from Mahomes. Looked at each other and was like, if they pull this out, that's the play that we're going to go back and remember being like, that's the one that made the difference. It definitely was. I mean, that was a game changer. And Mahomes led the team in rushing six carries, 63 yards. There was only 14 yards rushing from the running backs on 12 carries for the night. Mahomes is the one that kind of did the work there. He had more yards rushing on that play than the running backs did the entirety of the day. And it was just it was an outstanding effort. You know, he kind of comes out, out with these over-my-dead-body runs at times. He comes out with these plays that, you know, he's not going to be denied. And there were several of those tonight that you saw out of him. He, you know, he put the team on his back in that situation. He finished that drive with another run for a touchdown. But that third and 17 to extend it, and then and then him closing it out, basically that whole drive was a lot of Patrick LeVon Mahomes. All right, let's go through a couple of the top defensive headlines from this game before we bring Maddie and Craig on. What stood out to you defensively for the Chiefs tonight? Second half adjustments in the run game uh, were, were huge because the, the Chiefs were getting gashed. Derrick Henry, I think he had 89 yards, I believe, in the in the first half. Finished with 115. You know, the, the Chiefs were, you know, they, they went to a, a bare front. Uh, they had five on the line of scrimmage, and they made a huge adjustment against the run. And that really put the ball in Malik Willis's hands. And Malik Willis got thrown to the Wolves late. And, and because the Chiefs were able to win on early downs, it kind of won them that football game. It, it kept the Chiefs in the game long enough for the offense to kind of slog their way to 20 points. Yeah, and shout-out Colin Saunders closing yeah. this one out, making a few huge plays. Anytime I get a chance to shout-out Colin Saunders, Your boy. I am going to do that. The one big takeaway for me in this one is I'm really surprised they came out. I know the Titans, they always play games like this, always flat, but Andy Reid after a bye. We talk about it so much. We've talked about it since he first arrived in Kansas City because he did this in Philly, that for them to come out as flat as they did, and obviously the penalties, the one on Wiley was the one questionable one that, that stands out to me. But still, it had been a really long time since I had seen a Chiefs offense led by Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes and these guys not seem to figure out an answer faster than they did. Yeah, uh, it was kind of surprising. And, and I'm sure Matty will talk a little bit yeah. about this, but, you know, the game script, what – what were they showing? What they what weren't they? Because I mean, the Chiefs might have to play the Titans again. They're probably going to have to play the Titans again yeah. in some point in the playoffs. So, are you holding a little bit back? You just trying to you know execute enough to, to win the football game? And um, yeah, it, it wasn't your traditional Andy Reid throwing a, throwing his fastball or showing his fastball. I don't think, but yeah. you know, we'll see. And again, I think you credit the Titans a little bit. Uh, that there's you, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth yeah chiefs offensive line got punched in the mouth a little bit today mahomes didn't respond perfectly the entirety of the game there's some guys open at times too so like it just there's a lot of little things there and this is one of those games that you just burn the you don't even watch the film just burn it <laughs> and move on i don't want to because you're gonna find a lot of matchups that the chiefs play during the year we're gonna go up against a derrick henry go up and and pretty much game plan i know they'll say all right things after the game but I don't think a lot of people expected Ryan Tannehill to not play in this game. Yeah. I know you joked earlier about Vegas kind of knowing, but Malik Willis was a different animal um, as far as like who you're game planning against, the ability to run, which we saw early. And I don't remember him tucking 
and running with the football after those chunk plays early in the first half. So I don't know if there's an adjustment the defense made. Obviously, Craig, uh, we can talk about him, uh, talk with him about the adjustments they made. Let's bring talk. Let's go ahead and bring Maddie and Craig on where you're scouring the, the Twitters for stats and presser updates as Dr. Franklin's doing that. But now we welcome on Craig Stout and Maddie Lane. Maddie, let's start with you. Top takeaways from tonight. Dude, this defense. How, how about this defense? I think it's all they gave up. 10 yards and one first down in the second half. Like the, the Titans, like last 10 possessions essentially accomplished absolutely nothing. And some of that, you know, during the live stream, we were talking about the Titans play calling, getting a little wonky, but the chiefs adjustments to go into that bear front, kicking Willie down more Colin Saunders reps. I mean, these things, at least it just looked like more Saunders reps. These things were stuffing the Titans run game. And I don't think you could start this game without the chiefs defense. I really don't. Craig, how no, about that, you? Uh, well, let's, let's, I want to hear. I want to hear your big takeaways here. I just want to talk only about the offense because they they were so good in the entirety of this. No, no, the defense was awesome. Um, I, it's outrageous to see the uh, the way that they switched. You know, there in the second half, there they were getting run over in the first half. The, it, it was a polar opposite switch there for the defense to step up in that way. Offense, it was. It was trouble. Like, this was an ugly, running game. This was a Mike Vrabel game. It really yeah. was a Mike Vrabel game. And kudos to the Titans for making it that way. The defense had to step up enough times there. And they kept getting put on the line and saying, hey, do the job for us. We need you to come to the rescue. And they did throughout the entire second half and in overtime there. And the offense did just enough to squeak it out. Man, I hats off to the defense I'm looking here real quick. Uh, looks like I'm doing the, I'm doing quick math, which is always always scary. Derrick Henry in the second half, eight carries, 23 yards rushing, just an impressive turnaround. And again, like putting, I think that continued to put you know pressure on Malik Willis um, throughout the game. And and I think that's like that was really the formula. It was like, hey, we're gonna stop the run. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put five on the line and stop the run. We're gonna make Malik Willis beat us. And the Chiefs were able to kind of. You know, the, the, the defense held on long enough for the offense to kind of turn some things around, Maddie. No, for sure. And I think you know that like, we talked about the adjustment up front. So the Chiefs start pushing Willie Gay down to play, essentially play as their defensive end. They put him on the line of scrimmage. They kick the defensive end inside. The nose tackle plays head up over the center. Now they're playing everything tighter. When you do this, it's really hard to create that, like, that horizontal stretch the Titans were running through all these big games for. So they come out with that adjustment. They start dropping a safety down into the box. And now that's where you get the Titans are having to try to push the ball downfield. And it's not hard. The Titans don't have great receiving weapons. But you go back and watch some of these replays. Trent McDuffie, Legereus Sneed, Jalen Watson, or Joshua Williams, the coverage was outstanding. I don't know if you can even pick out a screenshot of an open Titans receiver at a reasonable time. Just, yeah, huge hat tip to the defense. The adjustments they made, I think the rookies all played really well. Seeing them come out with that 180 game script out of halftime was huge. And it you know pushes back to a lot of people that like to say Steve Spagnuolo never changes because that was a complete 180. <laughs> Yeah, just, just show them this game. Just dump that game on them there. You know, and back to the passing game. Like, it matters. There was there was a point in this game, and I, I didn't go back to check and see there at the end of the game. There was a point near the end of the game where the Titans wide receivers had not caught a pass yet. They did not and catch granted, one. They, they did, did not, not catch, catch one. I don't think they did not catch the entire one. game. That's crazy. That is, that is unbelievable. What's more unbelievable 
the very first play that the Titans ran was a little dump off pass to Chig Aronquo. That Oconquo. was. Oh, thank you. I was never going to get that. That, guy, <laughs> that went Craig and for 48 yards. The Titans finished with 57 net passing yards. They allowed the Chiefs after that play allowed a total of nine passing yards for the rest of the game. Now that includes sacks. So, you know, take that into account there, but outrageously good against the pass. They were able to roll that safety down, able to plug up the run in the second half and basically just challenge these receivers to beat them. And they couldn't. And that matters when you've got Steve Spagnuolo having to make those kinds of adjustments. The, uh, the, the Tennessee Titans, 229 total yards, 48 plays total, mm-hmm. nine first downs, one of 11 on third down, 4.8 yards per play. Uh, they, and it's just a remarkable turnaround for this, for this defense and what they're able to do to adjust. And, I mean, that's really, like, they just, I, I, we kind of joked about, hey, like, why did, my, why did Vrabel kick you know, uh, up 14 to nine. Why did he kick the field goal? Why wasn't he a little bit more aggressive? I mean, it turned out to be the right move to try to do that because I, th- and I think he kind of had, I, that's what I'm saying. Like in, the, in hindsight, I kind of wonder if he's kind of getting the vibes that this offense probably wasn't going to get much going the rest of the game, just kind of game feel that yeah. might've been the game feel he was feeling. No, for sure. I, I think when you put yourself in the situation and don't try to look at it completely like objectively, without taking into account the feelings and how things are going. Yeah, going for it there made sense or would make sense. But when you were looking at it, the likelihood of the Titans getting back to that point to where they can score points without breaking a big run, very minimal. The Chiefs were starting to show some ability to maybe come up with a few stops at this point in time. You know, they were getting better, at least in that regard. So it made sense to take the points. It made sense to go ahead and put the Chiefs a touchdown and a two-point conversion away. I thought Vrabel coached a really good game. Some of the play calling down the stretch actually was pretty bad. It's not on him. Like everything he did up until then was bad. Their play calling down the stretch gave the chance for the Chiefs offense. I, I, we got to transition to the Chiefs offense unless Craig has mm-hmm. more here. Yeah. Oh, I just about- wanted to say, yeah, real quick here, real quick. Four straight three and outs in the Ooh. second half now. The one of those ended in a field goal because of a short field there, but four straight three and outs. And then, you know, close out the game with a whole bunch of of drive enders there just outrageously good let's move on to the offense there's so many things to talk about with the offense i'm just thinking about the fourth down call the inside the handoff to to Clyde edwards Elaire. i mean there's mm-hmm. so many when you start peeling back the onion on all the play calls all the different the two-point conversion all the penalties down on the goal line how many different short yardage plays the chiefs had to show uh, when they got down there but uh when you look at the play calling especially in some of that short yardage stuff what surprised you guys most um, outside of the the Clyde Edwards Elaire one, uh, I mean, okay, the fullback trap with Burton running behind Trey Smith not working, I think, perfectly has encapsulated Trey Smith's season so far, which has been bad. And this game was the worst. And I think a play that has worked, what was it like, thirteen out of thirteen times or something like that? It was money, yeah. yeah. That play all of a sudden not working, like that's a problem for the Chiefs' fourth, their third and fourth short offense. That's been their go-to. Yeah, they like their little sprint outs and hitting the motion guy on the slide route or the quick speed out stuff, but their go-to has been that fullback run. If that's not in the bank anymore, and I get it, Jeffrey Simmons is great for the Titans. He blows up the play. You can shrug it off. It's just it's showing vulnerability on that play was weird. Then the other third down calls, I just 
it felt very basic. The Clyde one, we none of us liked it, but it caught us off guard, and it looked like it caught the Titans off guard. So I guess it did its job. See, that's that's the key, right? You gotta you gotta keep them you gotta keep them off balance there. No, I I loved the way that they used Juju in some of those short yardage plays. Man, that was that was absolutely perfect. They're in the first half, and they're at the beginning of the second half. Seemed like guys weren't getting open. Patrick's having to eat the ball a lot. To be in those sort of situations, we started to see it when they started moving the ball a little bit. It came through Juju on those quick passes. It came through allowing him to take those hitters, turn those four or five yarders into eight or nine yarders, and then using him in some of those short yardage situations as well. That's why they brought him in here. A big, bruising receiver there. I, you know, go 10 for 88. That's outrageously good. That was so efficient of Juju Smith-Schuster. I was ridiculously happy with the way that they used him, the way that they were able to get to him the ball quickly, let him use his physicality against a physical team to kind of push back at him there. That was really nice. Yeah, we saw the one, the little scissor route with Juju at the end where he extended for the first down. But please tell me I'm not the only one that was surprised that it was Noah Gray who caught the ball down the field yeah. and it wasn't Travis Kelsey because I could have swore that was Travis Kelsey when I saw the ball bounce up <laughs> into, the, into the sky. And he just goes and snags it and brings it down. But one of the biggest plays we've seen from Noah Gray so far in his career. I, I thought it was funny that the, that the camera crew went to Kelsey after that play to show him running down the field, basically, you know, screaming expletives and excitement at Noah Gray. I thought that was just spot on that. Even the camera crew was like, are we sure that wasn't Travis? Oh, okay. No, no, no. He's just excited about it. (laughs) You know, that was great. No, no, uh, go ahead. Go. If you had something, Maddie, I was just going to jump in about something else, but nobody go ahead and let it rip. Well, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. If you're watching, really appreciate everybody hanging out with us right now, celebrating the chiefs win. 2017 over the Tennessee Titans. Um, you know, there's uh, we're, we're continue to, continuing to talk about the offense here a little bit. You know, I look at, you know, we talked about Trey Smith. Uh, the offensive line, I think, is one of the things, I think, that kind of kept the Titans in this game a little bit. And that's a credit to the Tennessee Titans front. Like, they've been playing well. Um, Jeffrey Simmons is amazing, if not kind of a punk. Um, but that group was, I think, pretty, like, Discipline in their rush lanes. I think, Maddie, you mentioned that a little bit. They're a lot more disciplined in their rush lanes than the Chiefs have been. Um, they were, you know, kind of marching to the quarterback a little bit. They're making Mahomes think, making Mahomes second guess a little bit at times, pulling his head down. Mahomes was trying to hang in the pocket at times when maybe he normally didn't. Then he kind of started, you know, reacting a little bit. But, boy, you know, like we talk about, you know, coverage on the back end, but, like, I think that front really presented some problems for this Chiefs offensive line, Maddie. I don't, so I want to make sure we give the Titans defensive line credit because they were very, very good. And the way that they rush the Chiefs, they were kind of the team that laid that blueprint for having one defensive end kind of spike relatively tight, having another one run the arc deep and chase down Mahomes as he tries to escape. They kind of laid that blueprint last year. So very good for them. I don't think the offensive line was as bad as a lot of the, the social media comments that I was seeing throughout the game. I thought a lot of it was receivers not being open on time. Mahomes not having a good feel for where the pressure was coming from. You saw one time he ignores a wide open rush run lane to his right, tries to dip back left, and all of a sudden Bud yeah. Dupree sitting there because for the first time all game, he spiked shallow and he wasn't the deep guy. Mahomes assumed he would be rushing deep because that's what he always did. That's a great adjustment by the Titans. So I mean, kudos to them. But the I also, time out, I'm not, I want to oh. jump in too. I also think he was a little bit scared of a spy there too, looping mm-hmm. around, like because he's been. Maybe bouncing to his right the tendencies to run right 
he likes, you know, the, that spy's been closing. Anyways, continue. No, and so I don't think the offensive line was great by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think Mahomes was doing them any favors. He was he was sitting like a like a duck in the pocket at times. And some of these sacks were coming on guys rushing deep. Some of them were coming late in the in the in the play. The receivers weren't open. The game script wasn't working. The scripted plays were being blown up, putting them in third and long consistently. Like I think it was all bad, but I just saw a lot of heat coming at the offensive line. And by and large, this wouldn't even be one of their two or three worst games that I've seen them play this year. I don't even think it's particularly close. No. There was a couple of plays like you can think of. Andrew Wiley got beat a couple of times. Um, Orlando Brown Jr. had one that he lost pretty quickly, and I think it caused Patrick Mahomes to rush yes. a throw to that wide-open Travis Kelsey one that was there at the end of the game that probably would have been a touchdown. But by and large, like it was pretty good. They were even highlighting Orlando Brown, you know, turning a guy 12 yards deep. Like that's that's enough, and that's typically enough. Some of these, a lot of these, I shouldn't say some of these, a lot of these sacks were happening very late in the rep. This is Patrick Mahomes trying to run around, trying to create a little bit more. Nobody's open. He's not trying to throw it away or something like that. So you're seeing a lot of those. Then also you can remember, you know, Andrew Wiley not kicking out to pick up a defensive end, getting a free hit. There, It was a little bit of both, but I did definitely see a lot more heat fall on the offensive line this week. I'm not so sure that I'm there just based on everything. This is a really good defensive line. So I, I'm willing to give them a little bit more of a leash on this one than maybe some other performances. All right, we've got some stats from our guy, Tucker. Yes, got some really good stats, if I can say so myself. Uh, Patrick Mahomes played a pretty good game. Uh, he's the first Chiefs player with back-to-back 400-yard passing games. He has also accounted for 82% of his team's rush yards, 63 of 77. That is the fifth highest percentage by a quarterback over the last 20 seasons and highest since Cam Newton hit 87% in 2017 minimum of 50 team rushing yards also the titans finished with 22 total yards of offense in the second half and ot combined completely stifling the defense that's from our friend uh matt derrick and this is another one that i saw that i thought was really interesting most pass attempts in a game ever 70 by drew Bledsoe, 69 by vinnie testaverde 68 by patrick mahomes tonight wow wow that is big time. And, and right after, we're going to take a quick break right now. But right when we come back, I want to talk with you guys, get your thoughts on the debut of Kadarius Tony in a Chiefs uniform. We'll talk about that right after this. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I need to tell you about one of today's sponsors, and that is Liquid Death. Listen, you might be in a meeting, and you might be walking through High V Target and start to notice some strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. No need to get anybody. It's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Now, why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, it'll brutally murder your thirst. That is right. Not only are they trying to brutally murder your thirst, they're trying to brutally murder plastic pollution as well with their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans. They're bringing death to plastic pollution, and they also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to kill plastic pollution. Great cause. That's a win-win for me. Look at this. I mean, just look at this can right here. I've got one right with me. The Severed Lime. One of my favorite flavors that they have. Oh, it's so good. Can't wait to dive into this one. You can find a Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or go to a Liquid Death retailer near you. Find one with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back. Let's talk a little Kadarius Tony in a Chiefs uniform. First play of the game. I'm really curious when Kadarius Tony knew that the ball was going to be coming to him for the first play of the game. Craig, we'll start with you this time. What was your initial impression of uh, number 19, uh, Kadarius Tony in a Chiefs uniform? I mean, he looks explosive. I mean, they, that's what he looks like when he's got the ball in his hand. And that, that's why the Chiefs and Brett Veach like him so much. You know, he, he looks like a guy that with some time and some seasoning in this offense, you want to get him the ball because he can do special things with it. Now, obviously, there's a very limited sample size. We'll see as that goes on. But it bodes well for him that he was integrated in the first 15 as much as he was, especially when a guy, a rookie that's also explosive, also has some good playability in Sky Moore, has not been integrated in the first 15 as much. This is a guy that Andy Reid wanted to get on the field immediately. Like that was a dedicated effort to put the ball in his hands, develop that chemistry, see what they could get with him. He had another play a little bit later in the game that was called back by a penalty. So really three targets on that one and Sky Moore only had the one. And so you look at that and you go, man, you would hope that with some time, the rookie would get integrated a little bit quicker than a guy right off the street there. But it was good to see him there. It was good to see a little bit of production. I am looking forward to see how they're going to use him. If it's just going to be on those quick pop passes, quick screens, and try and let that explosiveness fly. Or are they going to have him run a few more routes, integrate him more in the offense because they need a man beater right now? Yeah, the little more than getting them out there early and throwing these little bubbles to them. I think that little it wasn't even really a whip route. I don't know what you call it, where you kind of show your yeah. chest to the quarterback and then China, take off back. I've heard, yeah, yeah, different stuff. Like he ran that and it looked really good, and that was a nice little play. So you like to see it. But Tony still only ended up with nine total plays and six routes. We know one of those, most of them were in the first fifteen. One of those was a complete pancake over an edge rusher, which was phenomenal to watch on the, dope. the Wiley <laughs> penalty, the penalty. And then um, in the bubble that also had another penalty in overtime there. So they came out, the only times he was getting a lot of snaps was after extended breaks when they could sit down and probably make sure he knew what the call was. It was something relatively simple where he was very much going to be involved in the first read of the progression. And that's fine because he's barely been here, but I think Craig nailed it. Andy Reid saw this guy and said, we're getting him out there right now. He's going to be a factor down the stretch. He's going to have a game where his impact is bigger and bigger than this, especially as he learns more. I think it's very telling that they wanted to put the ball in his hands as early and as often as they did. And 
I don't want to come this to be a complete shot on anybody else, but if Hardman's going to keep dropping some passes or not be set on a speed out in a high leverage situation, those two guys do a lot of the same stuff. So if you have somebody that's clip, you know, nipping at your heels, if you're not going to be paying attention to some details, you might see those snaps uptick a little bit faster. Yeah, it was uh, it was it's fun to sign, kind of see him get involved and integrate a little bit more. And honestly, I, I didn't really anticipate to see too much of him. I thought they'd try to get him on some manufactured touches. The thing I was interested in most most was the high leverage situation that they put him in late in the game. Like, hey, let's kick off. You know, let's let's put you in early in this overtime drive when we're playing to try to win this football game. That's showing a lot of trust in that guy. Fun stat for you guys: Patrick Mahomes completed passes to eleven different receivers. And and now a sour note. One of them was not Skymore. He he was the only guy that got targeted tonight that didn't come out with a catch. And I mean, like the target he got wasn't particularly like wasn't it wasn't a great opportunity. It wasn't high quality. No, it wasn't the (laughs) highest quality uh, target. But yeah, that's kind of interesting to to hear. Ran 19 routes. Um, which was what just two behind Justin Watson, who even though but when Justin Watson's out there for whatever reason, he seems to be a lot more part of the play. Skyboard seems to have a lot of routes that are not involved in the side of the field that the Chiefs are using, and you know, something to pay attention to going forward because Skyboard, Justin Watson, you know, played 26 and 27 snaps, 19 to 21 routes run. It's just five targets for Justin Watson, and even beyond the targets, when you watch, he seems to be involved in the play a lot more. So it will be interesting to track where Sky Moore is as the season keeps going on. We talk about what this win overall meant, uh, not just because they grinded out, they got to pick up that win. Obviously, we know about Buffalo, but you bring up and you look at the AFC standings and they don't pull out this game. They're tied with the Chargers in this. And I know Tucker's going to bring up the AFC standings and what it looks like right now. And it gives you an idea of what winning that game means uh, as far as potential home field if Buffalo can trip up again. I know they have the tiebreaker on the Chiefs, but uh, a lot of ramifications of the Chiefs being able to pull out a game in which did not feel for the majority of the game outside of the 9 nothing. You said they went on that 17-point run. It yep. felt like it lasted forever. Uh, how big it was for the Chiefs to come back and pull out that victory. Yeah, it's massive when you look at – I mean, you just kind of look at the landscape of football today. There's There was some upsets. Detroit Lions beat the Packers. Uh, you know, you saw the Bills fall into the Jets. You know, some weird stuff happened today. The Chiefs avoided that weird stuff as a 14-point favorite. They they survived through overtime. Um, man, I, yeah, it was it was uh, it's not one you want to remember too much about. But the Chiefs advise they survive in advance. They're tied with the Bills, and they put the pressure back on the Bills. I want to go too. to through you guys real quick what's your biggest after this game knowing few things didn't go right talk about the defense figuring it out what's your biggest worry moving forward for the chiefs i i'm i'm worried about the offensive line i'm just worried about the the cohesion the ability to protect seems like you know the, the, the titans were dominating with four a lot of times too and like yeah i know mahomes didn't do them any favors at times but i still think that there were some issues on the offensive line Craig, running the ball like, listen, man, like 446 yards passing is great. And obviously that's exactly what the Chiefs needed to do against a bad Titans secondary there. I mean, they, they're allowing all kinds of yards and the run defense is way better. 
but you can't run the ball at one yard a clip with your running backs. You just can't. You, you, you have to have at least some kind of balance there or else you get defensive ends that can tee off the way that we saw, really turn the corner at 12 yards, knowing that Patrick Mahomes is going to be passing the ball all the time. That's a worry for me. They got to get at least some semblance of balance, some kind of threat on the ground to force defenses to not just be able to tee off the way the Titans were tonight. Maddie. For me, um, it's was the 49ers game an outlier because their secondary was so beat up and the Chiefs still have no ability to beat man coverage? I think after the 49ers game, we all kind of started to think, oh, they're figuring it out. Look at this cool stuff they're doing here. Look at how they're getting favorable matchups and the timings coming together. All of a sudden in this game, when you're facing a secondary that's not quite as beat up, it looks really bad again. Anytime the Chiefs are in second and long or third and long, here are the Titans playing man coverage. The, when you get the NBC sky cam view, no one's open at first. You have Mahomes hold it. Everyone just kind of starts scrambling, but still no one's getting open. So was this a case of the Chiefs trying to hold back just enough in case they play the Titans again in the playoffs? Or is it they simply cannot beat man coverage with the current group of players they have and just where they were at on this particular game? So like that worries fully back in my head now, even though it had kind of disappeared after the 49ers game. Mine is, it, I agree with all of those, and it's not an either or, but Butker. Like they're going to be playing some high leverage, some high pressure games late in this season. And I don't have a lot of confidence in a guy that was widely accepted as the second best kicker behind Justin Tucker in the NFL. And now extra points, you're holding your breath. Any field goal that's not a 60 yarder on a one step with a bum ankle, like, don't have any confidence. Yeah and kicking a field goal or an extra point right now. And that worries me knowing that there's going to be some games on the stretch that are going to start to mean a lot more. And that's not the position that you want to be worried about. Cause you felt like that's one you didn't have to worry about. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, I think you said since the 60 yarder, 61 yarder, it's kind of been all over the map for him. This isn't a one game sample size for concern. This is multiple games where things have not been as clean. <laughs> I'm sorry, as they have in the past. So He's got to get it figured out, but, I mean, you know it's back there. Like, I think it's probably going to be in the back of Chiefs fans' minds every time he kicks now, whether or not he goes on a hot streak. You know, they've seen a sample size this season of him just not playing particularly well. I want to go through. He, um, oh, I was going to say, he better We've not got, Steph Curry another kick. That's all. Yeah, I do want to ask you guys about a little bit different question about the offensive line, but Tucker's got some quotes from us from Coach Reed. From yeah. the post-game presser. Yeah, Coach Reed gave his injury reports as Dion Bush tweaked his knee a little bit, and Jalen Watson got some dirt in his eye is what that injury was. He got some dirt in his eye. Uh, but that's about it for the extent of the injuries tonight. And, and, and when it comes to the 68 pass attempts for Patrick Mahomes, we weren't getting very far. We weren't getting too far with the run game. I saw Patrick Mahomes throw 68 times before in college, but not here before is what he said. <laughs> Not getting very far with a run game is an mm. understatement of all understatements uh, there. All right, I'm going to go around the horn again. And, Kent, I want to start with you on the off Chiefs offensive line. How much of this is a concern because you think this will be something moving forward, and how much of the credit are you going to give to what we saw? Credit, talking about from the Titans' point of view, about what they do up front with Jeffrey Simmons. This is a very good Titans front. We knew that. Yeah. How much of this should be something that Chiefs fans should be worried about going up next week against Jacksonville? Uh, maybe not next. Uh, Jacksonville's got a pretty good front, too. Uh, they got a pretty good front, too. Um, I don't know if they've got a, a guy that's as big of a game changer as a Jeffrey Simmons, but they've got plenty of guys that they can rush the passer with. Uh, and I, 
maybe not necessarily it's not necessarily a Jacksonville concern for me. And, and, and a lot of times when I'm thinking concern and when we're having our conversations, it's not next week. It's like this team has aspirations to win the Super Bowl. This is what I see being right. Uh, yeah, I'm concerned about good fronts being able to beat this group up in a in a big way because we've seen it a lot this year. And I don't know if they have a great answer for it. Yeah, Craig. I, I mean, yeah, I'm, there's no reinforcements coming. Maybe Lucas Niang is able to step in and they're able to not have to give so much help to him over Andrew Wiley. I'm not holding my breath for anything like that. And obviously he's coming off of an injury, so none of us should be holding our breath for any of that. Who knows what that's going to look like. But at this point, it's this set of guys and it's got to get figured out somehow, whether that's them running a few more timing routes, getting things out, getting the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hand quicker, or just figuring out how to run some more route combinations that scheme some guys open. Maybe it makes them a little more single read. I don't like that, and I know Andy Reid doesn't like that either, but maybe that gives them a few more opportunities to where Patrick Mahomes isn't taking so many hits. He's not having to run out of the pocket so much, but obviously you don't want to kill that too terribly much. So I... I don't know. It, something's got to change with the offensive line, though. Overall, they got to move some guys a little bit better. They got to do a little bit more because it's not getting easier, especially as we get into January and February. The good defenses are still going to be there, too. I think versus the run, my concern's a lot larger than it is versus, the, or like when they're trying to run the ball, it's a lot larger than it is they're trying to pass. I think you've seen a steady incline in their play as pass protectors. This game, I know a lot of people are going to point to is not a good one, but I go back to a lot of these sacks were late in the down. A lot of these sacks were three, four seconds deep and guys that were rushing 13, 14 yards around the tackle coming in from behind. So I don't know if I'm that worried of the pass protection from this game. Their inability to block up more than one yard in the run game is a problem. This team cannot double team anybody. As soon as a player climbs to the second level, they gets immediately replaced by the defensive tackle that was being double teamed. The run blocking is atrocious. The running backs aren't doing them any favors, but the run blocking is terrible. I don't want the Chiefs to run the ball 50 times in a game, but you know, maybe picking up more than 1.2 yards or whatever it is per carry would be very useful to just to keep it some level of balance in there. And I think that would help them look better in the passing game too when defensive ends and defensive tackles aren't getting to tee off every single snap because it's always second and 10 or third and eight. Yeah, we are going to take your questions and your comments here in the final segment. Before we do that, we're going to throw to one more quick break. And again, we'll finish up this with your questions and comments right after this. Hey, sorry to interrupt again, but I've got to tell you about our sponsor, Trade Coffee. And going to a coffee shop is a great experience, but it's not something most of us can do every day. If you're looking for that delicious local coffee shop taste on a daily basis, it's so much easier to get that with Trade Coffee. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so easy for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment needed. It's wonderful. Whether you know what you're doing and you already know what kind of coffee you like or you're looking and you need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans or however you make it your coffee at home. They will send it to you. It's absolutely perfect. It's a win-win in my book there. 
Here's how you got to do it. You're going to upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering listeners a total of $30 off their subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash KCSN. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. Drinktrade.com slash KCSN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Wild, well, we appreciate you letting us pay a few bills right there. But as we wrap up this show, um, we want your questions and your comments. We'll react to those. But before we do that, anybody out there who's watching, make sure you grab a drink. It's time for our Toast Game segment presented by our good friends up at Holiday Distillery and their new Ben Holiday Bottle and Bonded Bourbon. If you're in the Kansas City area, you're looking for a place to go and hang out on a Friday, a Saturday, even a Tuesday, head up to Weston, Missouri, take the tour of the distillery we've probably done it a dozen times at this point and uh it's it's fun every time but uh time for our toast game mvps i'm gonna start this off with my guy colin saunders i knew it you knew it was gonna be that's my guy uh for him closing it out defensively making plays uh at the end of that one to, to help get it done so this one's to you colin i like it um i am going to go with the guy i've been waiting to watch since week one of the nfl season and I'm pretty sure Maddie was about to go there too. I just had a, I had a gut feeling. Oh, I'm going with Trent McDuffie. I was so excited to watch him play. Um, I think he played well today. And you saw, like, look, this is a matchup league at times. And and if you can put a giant tight end on a small cornerback, sometimes you got to try to do it. And the Titans took their shot. They challenged Trent McDuffie with the tight end isolated on the backside of that formation. I think they went four strong opposite him. They threw a fade route. McDuffie played it absolutely perfectly. It was not pass interference. I will uh, continue to maintain that. And it didn't get called. I'm glad it didn't. I know some people were complaining about that. But I think all those reps that we saw him getting in training camp against bigger receivers, it seemed like there was a lot of intentionality with this team trying to match him up with some of these bigger-sized guys because they knew there was going to be times where Trent McDuffie was going to get – you know, matched up with those guys. Well, Trent McDuffie went out and made a play. Uh, that's why he's my toast game tonight to Trent McDuffie. What you got, Craig? I'm taking the low-hanging fruit here. Patrick LeBon Mahomes was incredible. <laughs> Dang it. That's what I was waiting for. That's the one I he, had teed up, Kent. He was, he was absolutely insane for large portions of the night. He didn't get some help. He also made some mistakes. I'm not trying to say he was flawless. The one that sticks out to me, Rolling to his right, defender bearing down on him, gives a little hesitation step. Defender goes whizzing right by him, sidearm throw on the money, conversion for a first down. He willed that team across the line, especially in that last touchdown drive with his legs, especially you know with all the crazy arm angles and pulling stuff off. He was absolutely phenomenal when they needed him to be tonight. It's not as gaudy as a performance as you would hope. I mean, 446 yards <laughs> is, but not as gaudy of a scoreline performance as you would hope in this sort of matchup. But he was so, so good when they needed him to be stepped up, made massive plays, toast to Mahomes. 
I think that was um, that was what I was waiting for, right? That was the Mahomes one. I thought we were going to let you guys all go through and take the people with the the, you know, the smaller, very important, but you know, some smaller roles. And I was getting Mahomes at the end. Just um, taking it for granted at this point, right? Give me uh, give me George Karloftis actually. Um, I think he made a couple plays, not a lot, but a couple plays that actually mattered a lot for the Chiefs. There was a run there in the second half where he peeled off. It was the third down run or the draw play where he peeled off his rush goes and makes the play. If he doesn't make that tackle, I'm pretty sure it's a first down. Who knows where this game goes from there when the Titans start getting the ball rolling a little bit there in the second half. He had a couple quicker pressures there in the first half as well. So not a ton of plays, not this dominant performance, but I think he made a few plays that really mattered and that third down stop especially was a big one that kind of got the Chiefs defense rolling. Fair enough, Chief in Atlanta. I saw your comments. Stop normalizing greatness. I'm the one who's been saying not to do that, and then here we are. (laughs) Not giving him the MVP. All right, we're going to answer a handful of your questions. Bring your comments up. Let us know who you are raising your glass to tonight. Again, that toast game segment presented by our friends at Holiday Distillery up in Western Missouri. Appreciate them for being huge partners and huge supporters of what we're doing at KC Sports Network. As of as are all of you by hanging out with us here late on a Sunday night after the Chiefs moved to six and two on the season. At least it went to overtime too. On a Sunday night. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> At least the Sunday night football game went long. All right, Tucker, <laughs> let's bring up some comments and some questions that we can get to. Zach Tuttle asks, how, if possible, can the Chiefs try and fix the run blocking? I can- mean, they've they've presented some different concepts, you know, that maybe they maybe they lean on some of the gap stuff a little bit more. Uh just you know, uh, nope, you you're out, Maddie. <laughs> why why They're are we holding out. on to that hope? Why are we not going to have hope anymore? It's just <laughs> not gonna happen. They're, they're ready to bury your comment. Like they were so. It's just it's it's it. We're all we're all sad. <laughs> I don't no. know. <laughs> what do you want? What do you got, Manny? I said no. They should. I agree with you. That's what they should do. But you're only ever going to see it when you get select defensive fronts like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then they're going to be like, oh, let's roll this out and beat you down with it. Besides that, they're going to stick with their zone stuff. And I mean, how is it going to get better? Get to the offseason and rep it more, practice it more. I mean, it's basic stuff. They can't combo block a defensive tackle and then keep him out of the hole. When they go to do that and pass him off to the blocker that's staying on him, they don't collect them. And he immediately replaces the blocker that climbs over and over again. You watch when the Titans are running and they show these double teams. As soon as they clear out a defensive lineman, the second blocker takes him seals them off from the alley and you create a lane. The Chiefs don't do that at all. Like it just, they need more reps. And I don't know if it's because it's a pass heavy team. Do they not work on it as much as they should in the off season? I don't know, but I don't think it fixes mid season that they're going to all of a sudden start blocking this stuff better. I, I have a small solution that might actually happen in the, in the Uh-oh. season, not, not adopting more gap or, you know, working on the off season. Blake Bell can come back. If Blake Bell gets healthy, <laughs> yeah. like that, that actually might, move the needle yeah. a little bit in the run game. They, yeah. they love to run those two tight end sets. Noah Gray deserves his flowers today for that amazing catch, but they want to use a more in-line tight end, and they want to use a guy that's a good run blocker. Blake Bell is that dude. Maybe he comes back. Maybe he makes a difference. All right, let's bring on a couple more as we wrap up the show. Again, hit that like and subscribe button while you're just hanging out with us. Mm. More yards rest of the season, Tony or more? Give me Kadarius Tony. I'd pour one out. Smash I think, the Tony. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm going Tony as well. The the integration immediately screams that Tony is going to be a bigger part of the offense. Doesn't mean we're out on Sky Moore, just maybe not for Love this Sky year. Moore. Yeah. Just means the Chiefs are kind of seem very out on him this year since they yes. don't put him into route combinations that matter to their team at all. Go run these slants on the backside 19 times. Cool. That's a far cry from what we saw at training camp. I mean, there was so much buzz around Sky Moore, and this was not what we had Looked seen good. in the past with guys that were getting a lot of buzz running with the third team. I mean, this was a guy that was making plays. He made plays in the preseason, too, if I remember correctly. He made a couple, didn't he? Play- yeah, he did. And then players and coaches still impromptu bring him up as going to be a good player. In the All league. the time. He's listening yeah. to Travis Kelsey in his own podcast, uh, New Heights. He'll bring, he brought him up last week just on his own about being how good he's going to be. But when you just watch how the Chiefs use him, it's not the volume. It's where they use him. He literally sits on the backside of plays and just runs a clear out or a space holder on a first zone. So they just don't use him for anything that matters right now. Maddie, I've got a problem with you right now. New Heights doesn't need any more help. They are going to take over the podcast world. You don't need to be plugging them. Tucker, anymore. erase it from existence. <laughs> it is it is overtaken part they're of my just, take. They're gonna run. They're gonna run the podcast game for the next. They're literally the number one podcast. <laughs> they have overtaken part of my take, which is never not number one. They're incredible. Yeah. It's amazing. They're yeah. so good together. They're so good at this already. <laughs> very, very good. Yep. All right, let's bring on one more question to wrap this one up, Tuck. Make it a good one. Corey Peter, midpoint sort of predictions for the rest of the season. Oh. Craig, let's start with you. Um, I think we are going to see the Chiefs start turning the ball over on defense a lot more. Uh, I think you're going to see the secondary play improved. I think you're going to see the defensive line heat up a little bit more. And obviously the quality of the opponent in the back half isn't as good as the quality of the opponent in the first half. I think we're going to see the Chiefs start getting more interceptions, fumbles. You know, we're, we're going to see the defense actually start turning the ball over, giving it to the offense a lot more than we've seen throughout the season so far. Matty? For me, I mean, the back half of the year isn't as strong as the, the first half was here. So you kind of expect them to start to stack up wins. If they, It seems really plausible to come out of the rest of the season with only two more losses, and that almost seems like it's on the higher side when you compare the – late half of the schedule versus what they've already played. So I'm kind of expecting them to be right there competing for that one seed. And then offensively, Craig took the defense offensively. I want to see them start to come up with some solutions for man coverage. I don't know if it's more crossers. I don't know if it's going back to more stacked alignments. I don't know what the solution is yet. I know what they did versus the 49ers. And it didn't seem to work as well in this game against the Titans. Although without seeing the whole film, I don't know if they got to go all into it. So just get better at beating man coverage before the playoffs because that's going to matter. You're going to either win yeah. or lose in the playoffs your ability to beat man coverage at least a couple times on third down. I'm going to drink the Kadarius Tony Kool-Aid. I think he's probably going to be a more integral part of this offense than maybe we anticipated. We've talked a lot about, hey, this is probably a 2023-2024 you know, a, a move. It might be a little bit more than than we've kind of led on to, you know, led on at this point. I think you could actually see them make a more concerted effort to continue to get him involved in a tangible way. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of him the rest of the year. Yeah, looking at the schedule, you guys have made the points. Looking at the schedule, you've got the game against the Chargers. They've hung around and won some weird games like they did today. Enough that that game in two weeks is going to mean everything uh, to them. The Bengals have shown at times to be a little bit better in the game against the Seahawks. Seahawks being better than a lot of people think 
uh, being a tough one. And then you just have a lot of mm-hmm. AFC West games, play the Broncos twice, obviously have the Raiders uh, to finish out the regular season. Uh, but to kind of Craig's point, for one area that I expect to be better, I expect all of us to be reminded how good Trent McDuffie uh, was going to be. We kind of forgot about him. A lot of the other young guys, Jalen Watson made big plays. We saw Josh Williams make big plays. Forgot that McDuffie was the dude. Uh, and started to show that when he was at training camp. And we saw a little bit of it tonight. I think it's going to, the next five or six weeks, we're going to be reminded about how excited we were about him around the draft um, as a guy that just kind of got lost because the other young guys started playing really, really well. No, I think that's, those are all great. And like, there's still room for this group team to improve. This is still a very young team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the schedule, like, the Chiefs held on for dear life in the first half of that schedule because I think it was pretty tough when you, when we looked at it at, you know, at onset and, you know, they're going to get some opportunity to get better against some teams that, you know, they should be able to have a little bit more success against. I think this isn't the, the toughest slate. So a lot of a lot of time to build towards what this team's going for, which is obviously, hey, make another run into Super Bowl. All right. We appreciate everybody for hanging out with us tonight. If you haven't yet, hit that like and that subscribe button. But we've got plenty more good content coming over the next 24 to 48 hours, breaking this one down before we move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars Chiefs. Pick up the win on Sunday Night Football, 20-17 to 17 over the Tennessee Titans to move to 6-2 and two on the season. We know there's a lot of great places to get your Chiefs content. We appreciate KC Sports Network being one of those. Like I said, we'll have live laboratory Monday night, tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central Time. We'll have KCSN Update with myself and Matt Miller with a stock up, stock down report. Matt from ESPN. And then we'll have our 10 things uh, that stood out about this game as well. So a lot of good content. Make sure to follow along, whether you're listening to the podcast audio, whether you're watching on YouTube. We appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you all next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.